Welcome to the Providence Church Podcast. For more Providence Church, visit us online at provchurch.net. That's P-R-O-V-Church.net. Let's get into it. So I think I need John Gamber and Trevor Marsh to come up here, if you guys could. And this is not prearranged, so these guys are like, what? Come on up, come on up, come on up. So this morning, we're going to be talking about trust and choosing trust. And so I'm going to entrust these gentlemen, these uh, muscle-bound gentlemen. I pick strategically um, because we're going to do a, I'm going to do a trust fall. Uh, should we go to the top, guys? Should we go to the top? I'm, I'm, someone said, are you getting closer to God? I might. I might be getting closer to God. But... You know, I I think I'll go third step. (laughs) Oh, come on. My wife's sitting down here. She wants me to go higher. Heather, we just got you out of the hospital. You're you're finally, we got the, you know, future ahead, you know? Uh, So you guys get on either side of the ladder and I'm going to, I'm going to do this, this thing, right? John, actually, I need you to catch me. (laughs) John, John, if you don't catch me, I'm going to the hospital. Yeah, it, it, it could be bad, John. So, so you guys figure it out, right? Oh, yeah. Should I trust these guys? I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I haven't done one of these in a long time. And I thought, really? Should I do this? This is a bad idea, but here we go. Woo! Yeah. Thank you, guys. Wow. Yes. Well done. Well done. These guys, are, they're on the team now. They're on the team. Oh, that's great. Hey, but you know what? The, the reality is um, the, the oxygen in our relationships is trust. So if you're going to have healthy relationships, you're going to have to work towards trust in any in any enterprise. The truth is, that's, that's true in our relationship with God and is true in our relationship with each other. So the call to trust God is big. It's all across the scriptures. In fact, uh, there are over a hundred times in the Bible where you can read the phrase, trust God, trust God, trust God, trust God, trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord, trust in the Lord. And so it's, it's, it's actually what God wants for us more than anything else is for us to trust him. If you are saved this morning and you have a, a, a salvation testimony, guess what? You have entrusted your soul to God. You have said, this is, I believe that God is my Savior. And what he did on the cross, as we, as we declare that what he did on the cross, is effectual for me. It has, it has resulted in me being forgiven and restored. And so there's a trust, a faith, and a trust that you have placed in God for your salvation. Uh, and also, what helps us with God in terms of trusting God is to know that his intentions toward us are always good. I've said that before, and I have it in, in capital letters. I have an explanation point there. His intentions toward you are always good. He wants, if you're his child, he, he wants to do good in your life. It may be hard. It may be challenging. It may sometimes put you in a place where you can't quite figure it all out, but his intentions are, in fact, good towards you. Now, with others, whether it's a marriage or a friendship or a work relationship or a team, 
for us to do anything together that will last, that will endure, that will bear fruit, if you will, it will require trust. And you know that. If you've been married for any length of time, you know how crucial trust is. And when trust is broken, how hard it is, how difficult it is. And so the challenge for other people is to believe that their intentions towards you are good. That's a challenge, right? We're going to talk a little bit about that. Not everyone's are when it comes to our relationships with other people. Not everyone's intentions towards you are good. So a very important recognition. For many people, trust is hard. They've been betrayed. Perhaps you've been betrayed or you've been abused or rejected or burnt or hurt or disappointed. And what happens, as you know, is it creates a blockade to trust. Your, your, your ability to trust is cut off. There's a wall that goes up in your life. And you've been burned too many times. And what happens is you get cynical, you can get suspicious, and you get jaded. And here's the thing. That actually has impact on, on, on so many people that I've talked with, has impact on their relationship with God. So they want to trust God, but they've been hurt over here with someone else and wounded with someone else and betrayed by someone else. And so now they're having a hard time trusting God because they're, they're, they're putting, they're pitting it against this, this other experience, this other person. Two very, very vastly different things, God and other people. Here's the thing. God doesn't want you to stay there in that place of being cynical or suspicious or jaded. He doesn't want that to be the shaping influence of your life. He doesn't want your life and your relationships to be defined by brokenness and pain. He wants you to walk in greater degrees of trust, in greater degrees of freedom, and learning to trust again. So some of you need to learn to trust again. It's hard for you to trust people because of the things that you've endured in your life. And I understand that. And God understands that. So this isn't like just flip the switch. This is saying, hey, yeah, there's a God in heaven who is completely trustworthy. And then we're also, as he works in our lives, learning and working to trust other people in our lives. And so our desire is to be a healthy church. These are our core values that we're talking about this fall. This is the fourth one. We started out with, uh, it's not about us. It's about God and his mission above all else. And then we talked a couple weeks ago about bringing hope. And then Pastor Chuck talked about showing mercy. And so even loving people, even when it's hard. And so these, these kind of build together on each other. And so here we are at number four this morning. It's, it's about the, the value says it's about choosing trust. We don't fear what we can't control. And so our cry is God help us to be people who learn to trust you well and help us to be people who learn to trust other people better in the process as you work in our lives. Because I believe in a, in a healthy church, there's going to be an undercurrent of trust. We're going to learn how to love each other and trust each other even when it's difficult, even when we get hurt or we're confused, or we feel like we've been rejected, or we're not accepted, or Lord, help us to learn how to trust people like you in your grace, 
have, have showed us so much a trust. You've entrusted to us. So uh, if you have your Bible, Proverbs chapter 3 is where we're headed this morning. A great passage, hopefully familiar to some of you. Um, and perhaps many of you will re- remember these words when we read them this morning again. Very familiar. But the third, the third chapter of Proverbs. And beginning in verse 1, we're going to read through verse 8 this morning. And the writer says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. I love the phrasing there. Let love and faithfulness almost be like, you know, if you will, almost like a, a necklace around your neck. Like, let them adorn your life, love and faithfulness. Verse five, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Mm. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So the very first thing I want to talk about this morning in this value and, and what trust is all about, some truths about this. Number one, it's, it's, it's about the posture of our hearts. We start there with our hearts. Where does trust flow from? Out of our hearts. So we start there. Trusting involves leaning into, I love the phrasing, leaning into God with everything that you have and all that you are leaning into him. Lean not on your own understanding, but lean on him. Right? That's the, that's the trust, trusting and leaning. And so for everything, relationships, attitudes, finances, work, priorities, how are we going to build our life? What wall are we leaning on? We're leaning on the wall of the living God. We're leaning on his truth, his promises, his, his ways, not our own. So leaning into that versus leaning on yourself and leaning on your own understanding and your own wisdom and your own perspective, and your skills, and your charisma, and even your fears. Sometimes we lean on our fears more than we lean on the living God. We tend to believe more about what our fear is telling us than about what God's Word is telling us, or the Holy Spirit is whispering to us or leading us toward. We tend to get caught up, and we'll, we'll, we'll really build our lives, if you will, around fear, and we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a few minutes. But I, didn't want you to, I did not want you to miss the context of this passage uh, because the context of this passage that we just read is blessing. And I don't know if you noticed the, 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 the way the passage unfolds, the couplets, if you will, that are there. And so in verse 1, my son, do not forget my teaching. Keep my commands in your heart. And then the blessing, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. And then look at number verse three. So here's the, the word, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Then the blessing is verse four. Then you will win favor 
and a good name in the sight of God men. By the way, let me just say this um, before I keep moving on. I, the, I mentioned that before about the imagery of love and faithfulness. Bind them around your neck. Uh, if you are a person who loves consistently, loves people as God has loved you, loves them well, and you are faithful to follow through, to do what you said you'd do, to keep your word, to keep your commitments, to, to do the thing that's in front of you, to do that. If you're, if you're loving and you're faithful, what does the Bible, the Bible, what does the Bible say? It says, then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God, man. You will be more trustworthy. You see how that works? So even when we're talking about trust, there's a great word from the scriptures about how we build trust. Love people well and be faithful. Now, there's a lot other things you can do, but those are two really big things that if you devote yourselves to loving people and being faithful in your commitments, you will gain trust. You will win favor with other people. In, the sight, in fact, it says in the sight of God and man. And so that's a part. If you want to build that in your, into your life, into your DNA, Lord, help me to love. Lord, help me to be faithful. That's a pretty good place to start. There's other things you can do, but that's a good place to start. So then the blessing continues. So then the next word, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean, don't lean your own understanding. Then the blessing is verse six. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make your paths straight, the blessing. And then the seventh and eighth, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Then the blessing, what will happen? This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. I love that about God's word. There is the prescription and then there is the blessing. Here's what you can do. And here's what will happen. Now, this, these are the Proverbs. So this is wisdom, living our life, building skill into our lives for living. And here's in ch chapter three, a, a beautiful part of that. So a huge part of living in the blessing is actually comes back to that fifth verse. It's about trusting God, not yourself. How do you experience blessing, more blessing in your life? By, by leaning your life, your ladder against the wall of God not your own wall. When you do that, you're setting yourself up for a life of blessing, not necessarily a life of ease, not a life of great material wealth and prosperity. This isn't a prosperity gospel. This is a life of God, your presence, your power, your work, your purposes, all the things, that, the fruit that you want to produce in my life. That's what will happen when I lean my life, my ladder of my life against your wall, against who you are. So leaning against trusting in God. If we choose to lean on ourselves, we will inevitably come up short of God's best for our lives because we're, we're finite, we're limited, we're unable apart from his presence and his power. And there's things we don't know. There's things we can't see. When you're in the middle of the woods in a situation and it's a hard and you, you, Lord, help me to see. I pray that a lot. I can't understand what's happening here. I need more sight. I need more wisdom. I need revelation from you because I'm not getting it. I can't figure this thing out on my own because I'm a man and I don't have everything I need. But in you, I have it. So that's, that's the, the process of of not leaning on ourselves. I, I love, last Sunday, we had such a great morning. If you were here for Celebrate Recovery Sunday, loved it. And we actually, for the first time that I can remember in the 12 years we've been doing this, we read, if you were here, we read the, the 12 principles, the 12 steps for Celebrate Recovery. And the very first step 
CR step number one is this. I realize I am not God. I admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. So if you're trying to rebuild your life and you're trying to overcome, it starts there. I'm not God. Number one, out of the gate, I'm not him. And so in essence, we're, we're saying, but I'm choosing to not lean my ladder against my, I, I did that. Look where, look where it led me. God, I'm going to lean my ladder against your wall, against your truth, against your, per, your person and presence. Hmm. So, so why the word about control when we're focusing on trust? Um, because we can't, we can't, how's the, what's the, what's the phrasing again? We don't fear what we can't control. So here's why. Number two, this morning in your outline, we have a pretty sizable struggle with control. In our lives, we have a very sizable struggle with control. We, we have a natural desire in our lives to control things. Now, some of that is probably good because in our lives, we do have a need for a certain amount of order and discipline so that things work. And so there's certain things that we need to take care of. And so I understand the desire to control the things that we can control. Uh, in fact, we talk about in our marriage class that Heather and I did, um, we talk with couples in that, in that get your love, keep your love on about being responsible for me. Uh, right? I'm, I'm not responsible for you. I can't control you, but I can be responsible for me. And so in a marriage, that's, well, in any relationship, but in a marriage, that's really good counsel because we tend to want to control and manage and change and, and, and fix the other person. But, you know, God says, no, on your best days, you might be able to control you on, on your best days. And even that can be a challenge at times to control ourselves. So some of this control issue is, is natural and healthy. But, but when it comes to relationships, there is so much unpredictability. Relationships are not science in case you needed that newsflash. Those of you who love science, you might get frustrated by relationships because it's not a formula. You know, it's not an equation. It's not mechanical engineering. You know, you don't just plug in the numbers and it gets the result that you're looking for. Some of you, some of you wish it was that simple, but you know it's not if you've lived in relationships long enough. People, when it comes to, you know, here's the thing. People don't think like me, right? So people have different viewpoints than me. People have different life experiences than me. And so all those things shape us and mold us and, and kind of as we're walking through life, we have, we, we have a lot of things that we're sorting out when we're in relationships with other people. And so that's why it's so complicated, but yet it's so beautiful because we do need each other because it, it would be really boring and really flat if, it, if everybody thought like me. Or you, like if you, if ever the whole world was like you, you know, right? Here, here, so that's the story, right? So our relationships 
our relationship with God is especially not like that, where we can just plug in A and plug in B and get C with God. I don't know anybody that's had that experience. There's a lot of mystery. In fact, the design of God is for us to trust him and to follow him, as it says there, with all of our hearts. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So everything within me. And the truth is that God will powerfully and he will purposefully lead us into places that require us to depend on him more and more and more. Because here's what I know. What I do know about God is he always is working to deepen our trust in him. You can take that one to the bank. He always wants to deepen our trust. And so he will lead us sometimes purposefully into places that will require us to depend on him more and more urgently. So we've, we've experienced that this summer. You know, you, many of you prayed for us, you know, our story this summer and what all the Heather's been through and we've been through together as a family. That has deepened our trust in some ways we never would have seen before this summer. We had to sort through some things and some emotions and some things we believe and some things about life and mortality and that, wow, okay, God, we preached this and now we're, we're living it in a whole nother level. And so you know what I'm saying. Some of you families who have adopted children understand how your trust gets deepened when you choose to bring other people into your family and how you need to depend on God even more for the love and the things that you need to care for those children and to bring them to that place of you're, we're, we're a family. We're one. We belong together. I mean, and, that, and, and what, goes on, what goes into that in terms of deepening trust? Job changes can do that for us. Sometimes wounding that requires forgiveness will do that, to, where we have to trust God more and more deeply because we've been hurt, and now he's calling us to forgive and practice forgiveness and learn forgiveness and live forgiveness, and we're struggling we're not sure we can. We're not sure we want to. We're not sure we're able to. And so even, even a thing like a situation like that can actually be a, a grace in terms of deepening our, do you really trust me? God said, do you really trust me? Or is it just lip service? And so God will be working, always working to deepen our trust. A big part of what enables us to trust God is knowing that he is good that his character and his nature are good, that he is for us, that he is committed to us, that he, he counts, he, he wants us to know his love, that he has, he has sacrificed for us. So what I, what I wrote in my notes is, and this is so true, and this, we're having communion this morning, the cross beckons us to trust. When I see that tree, and you see the image of the cross where there's right on top of the communion, on top of the church steeple, in behind here, crosses everywhere. The cross beckons us to trust. The Son of God died on a tree and offered for all who would believe, for all who would trust. In fact, he was with the disciples in the upper room, John 14, and he says, trust in God, trust also in me. Believe in God, believe also in me. And then he goes on to describe what's going to come. I'm going to go. 
I'm going to go prepare a place for you. But trust me, because I'm coming back. And when I come back, I'll take you to be with me. And, and the disciples, Philip's like, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And he said, well, I, I'm going to the, I and the Father, I'm going to go prepare a place for you because here's the thing, here's the thing, I am, I am, here, here's what you need to know, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father through, except through me. So here's, I want you to trust that. He's with his disciples, right? So the cross beckons us to trust. And here's the thing, when it comes to people, it's not always that clear. When there is a lack of understanding and there's some uncertainty and there's some doubt, it creates a gap. And we will tend to fill that gap typically with, well, we can fill it with a lot of things, but two broad things. We will either fill that gap with suspicion or trust. We actually talked about this as a staff a number of years ago, probably seven years ago now. We were going through, uh, as we developed these core values together, we talked about the gap when things aren't right, when you're not quite sure, when you're uncertain, when there are doubts. And what about this person? And can I? So a lot of times it's either I'm suspicious, I've got my questions, or I'm going to choose trust. And there's always a battle for us to choose trust. Because part of that is because we all have certain bents that cause us to be suspicious of certain things and certain people. So if you're an introvert, you might be suspicious of extroverts. How can they always be, right? I'm not talking for you introverts, but I get it, right? Introverts and extroverts, kind of like, why are they always, they seem to really like to pull off and read all the time, be by themselves. What's up with that, right? So, we, so we're different. It's okay. But we can, be, we can be suspicious of people that are different or the people that are organized and the people that are less organized. I'll use that phrase. The, 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 the free spirits among us who aren't so worried about cleaning up. The, the clutter doesn't bother them, right? But then some of you are like, if everything's not in its place and in its spot, and it, uh, we can't move on. We can't move on until that's taken care of. Right? So you got the organized and the less organized. I won't tell you who I am. Let's just say I have, I've been blessed with a wife who's very organized. <laughs> Thank God. She keeps our home organized. Some of you, too, when it comes to the suspicion and trust, it's the difference between truthies. I'll use the word truthies and gracies. Okay, so Jesus came in John chapter 1. He came full of grace and truth. And we need both. And so some of you are more wired to, I want to get to the truth. I want to establish the truth. I want justice to prevail. I want this thing. And we need that. Absolutely. Truth absolutely matters. And then the other, you're like, you're bent towards, but I want to just give more grace. And I don't want to, I want to just give them another chance. And I just want to see this thing work. And how can, how can we fix this? And so some of you are bent more towards grace. And so then you're suspicious of the person who's like, and so we have that thing with each other. You know, okay, you're different than me. It's good. It's good. But that gap can sometimes create that suspicion or trust. Don't miss the difference here. There's a difference between I don't trust you because you've hurt me and you've lied to me and you've deceived me and you've abandoned me versus I don't trust you because I don't like the way that you look or I don't like what you wear or I don't like how you talk 
or I don't like that you're different than me. Those are two very different things I'm talking about this morning. So we're talking about choosing trust. When you've been hurt, it takes time to rebuild that. And it takes the work of God and the Holy Spirit. So don't, don't think I'm saying it just, if someone you know, mis, 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 uh, abuses you or misuses you, that you should automatically run back into trust. I know that that takes healing and God's work. So there, there's, there's a difference, difference between that and you're just different from me, so I'm not going to trust you. In the body of Christ, we're called to orient our hearts towards trust. So we need to learn how to trust people who are different from us, who bring something we need, every part. And then the third thing this morning is that fear sabotages our ability to trust. And you know that. It is debilitating. It paralyzes us. Some of you, have, you, you, you don't really like snakes, right? I, I'm not a big snake guy. So the other day I was in the garage getting something out of the freezer, and I was like, turn the light on. Whoa, little bl- I think I told Heather this. There's a little black snake that just sticks its head out. And, you know, I should get, get you come over and take that, right, for a pet. But uh, Matt Bland loves snakes, apparently. He's a monster black snake. And he went to work the other morning, and there's monster black snake sitting on top of this thing. He had to, and he just picked it up, took it out. And, not me. But sna- I don't mind spiders. Some of you are like, spiders, run, run. And spiders, no problem. I, that doesn't bother me at all. But spikes, spiders, snakes, dark, fear of the dark, fear of heights. But what happens is if we're afraid of those things, it can at times paralyze us. It can be debilitating to us. But even more than those things, I'm talking here about the fear of rejection, the fear of loss, the fear of failure. I mean, some things that go beyond little insects, creepy crawlies. You know, I'm talking about things that really can paralyze us from living and moving forward. And the truth is this, fear is controlling And it starts to occupy more and more of our hearts and our minds. And it disables us from moving forward. And it disables us from trusting God. That's why the enemy's motive and strategy is fear. If Satan can get you to be fearful, then he knows you're going to start, that's going to start to affect, control your mind and your heart in a way. You're not going to be able to trust God in the way that God wants you to because you're wrapped up in fear. That's why the Bible says he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and self-control, sound mind, right? That's God's spirit, spirit he gives us. The enemy is always working to cause us not to trust God. And if he can get us to not trust each other, and he can get us to be suspicious and cynical and critical, then he advances his agenda. One of the things that helps us when it comes to this area of trusting others. And I know I'm going to say this, and some of it, I hope it connects with you. And it's pretty simple, but it's hard. And it is this, learning, starting to believe, believe the best about others. Starting from the, from the orientation when you get involved with someone, I'm going to start by believing the best about you. Starting from the reference point of trust, I'm going to assume that you want the best for me. I'm going to assume that you want to cooperate. I'm going to assume that you want to be helpful. 
I'm going to assume that you have the right motive. Now, here's the thing. They may not. Right? We all come across those situations in our lives where we think one thing about a person and then we get down the road and it's like, mm, it wasn't what I thought. I understand that. But that will be proven out as we go along. And the fruit will become evident as we go along. But if you're going to learn how to trust people and choose trust, part of the starting point is I'm going to believe the best about you. Now, I, I will say, and most of you know this about me, I'm, that's kind of how I'm wired. In fact, not kind of, I am wired that way. I assume the best about people. I believe the best about people. Now, that's been proven wrong on occasion, but more times than not, when you start to have that commitment toward other people, guess what? A lot of people respond with, I'm going to give you my best. I'm going to, I am going to cooperate. I am going to move with you. I am going to, because you're, you're giving them the benefit of the doubt right up front. This is what I, be, I believe, that you're an honorable person. Let's, let's, I'm going to treat you like that. And, and then that, that reciprocates oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes that reciprocates. Of course, we need to be discerning and we need to test the spirits. The Bible tells us to test the spirits. But we start with an openness to trust each other because we know that how vital trust is to the work of God and what God's doing in our lives and building his kingdom. The other commitment that will help is that we bring our whole selves to the table. That's a big one. It's important to enter into the situation fully. I'm bringing my heart. I'm bringing my soul. I'm bringing my passion. I'm bringing all of me to this situation and this relationship. Fear keeps us from going there. Will they like me? Will I be rejected? How will I be perceived? And so all those questions start to run through our minds. And then we, we kind of, and no, I'm going to bring all of me to this situation and bring it and offer it in this relation to build trust. Now, there's a powerful picture as we close here about a group of people who went all in. Acts chapter 4, if you have your Bible still, the fourth chapter of Acts. We're going to get to the communion table in a minute. But the fourth chapter of Acts verses 32 to the end of the chapter. What a great picture of the church, the, the first church, the early church that went all in. They brought all themselves. So what does it say in verse 32, Acts 4? It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And, and what's it say? And much grace was upon them all. Blessing. Much grace was upon them all. And there was no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sale and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone as he had need. And then Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostle called Barnabas, Son of, means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, brought the money, and put it at the apostles' feet. They were one in heart and mind. That tells me that there was a trust and a unity at the heart of the early church. They were one in the deepest way possible. So they had learned how to trust each other through Christ. And I love that no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. So they trusted and said, God, I'm bringing this offering because I believe you're going to use it to touch and bless other people in this, in this fellowship. 
I believe that what I bring is going to be used to multiply your kingdom and your love. And so I'm trusting that I am, I'm selling this piece of property. I'm bringing these proceeds because I believe you're going to use it. So we're trusting God, but we're also saying that these resources are going to be stewarded by other people and they're going to embrace it. And so there's a trust involved in bringing that to the table. Beautiful. What a picture. Did you see the blessing? And much grace was upon them all. There was no needy person among them. They trusted each other completely. So here's the word. God wants all of us. We are prone to try to hold back parts of ourselves from him. Might be a habit that we hold on to, money that we hold tightly to, work and and a certain approach to work or attitudes. He's calling us to trust him completely. And out of that relationship to move towards a deepening trust with each other. That's what we're driving at with this core value. It is both vertical and horizontal, choosing trust. God, we're choosing you, and we are choosing to trust each other. As different as we are, as complex as we are, as varied as we are, we believe that we need each other. That's a really, for a healthy church, that's really important to have that kind of environment and atmosphere. Thank you for listening to this latest sermon. For more Prof Church, check out our YouTube at Prof Church Lancaster. Follow us on Facebook at Prof Church Life, on Instagram at Prof Church, or visit our website, profchurch.net. Thank you for listening, and be sure to make it a great day.